You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Life best lived. Life best lived. You know, one thing that everyone in all the world agrees on, regardless of what religious belief or values they hold, is that this short life that each of us have is to be lived, yeah? We all agree that life's to be lived. It's not to be wasted. It's not to be kind of endured, ideally. (laughs) It's to be lived. Life is to be lived. While we all agree that life is to be lived, I guess not all of us, many of us, differ on the way in which life is best lived, how we actually live our lives best. And Jesus had a lot to say about living life well, didn't he? For me, these words are perhaps some of his most encouraging and also confronting, like really confronting ones when it comes to living life best. Jesus says this in Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. How does this work? Sounds almost like a paradox, doesn't it? Find it, to lose it, lose it and find it. What's going on there? How can this be the key to actually finding life, living our best lives now, and as Ray perfectly put just before, for all eternity too? Let's find out as we come around God's word and let's just pray and invite Holy Spirit to guide us in the word this morning. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we're open to what you want to do in us today. Give us ears to hear, give us hearts to receive, give us eyes to see what you want us to to see and hear and receive today, Lord. We are so hungry for more of you. We We don't want to live life in line with how The world says life's to be lived, God, but we want to align ourselves divinely with you. We don't want to go anywhere but with you in life, Lord, and in your ways that you say are best for us, no matter what. So Holy Spirit, today, as we open your word, would you speak through me, Lord, in such a way that each and every one of us hear what we need to hear and that we would leave this place encouraged, equipped, stirred, Lord, to continue to, or for the very first time, to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ and live in light of that good news each and every day of our lives. Lord, do a work in us today. We want to receive, we're willing to go, we're willing to be transformed. Guide us, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get straight to it. So, Jesus, in the passage we read just before, is, is letting people know the cost. He's letting people know the cost, what's actually involved if we want to follow him, the cost of following him. John MacArthur, he's a, a pastor from the US, he says this about the cost of discipleship. He says, Jesus, through his direct instruction during his earthly ministry and through his apostles in the rest of the New Testament, repeatedly makes clear that there must be a cross before the crown 
suffering before glory and sacrifice before reward. The heart of Christian discipleship is giving before gaining and losing before winning. Isn't that good? Now, let's be real. That kind of message doesn't gel very well with what our society, the kind of values, the kind of priorities that our society have today, does it? Suffering? <laughs> Got to be joking. I do everything I possibly can to avoid that. Yeah? That's, that's what we do in society. Sacrifice? Oh, I might sacrifice as long as I get something out of it. We avoid suffering like the plague and increasingly we, we see this statistically as well. Australians were once one of the most generous, benevolent people who would volunteer in a wide range of things and, and steadily we're seeing a bit of a decline in volunteerism and, and a willingness to make the personal sacrifices that Jesus calls us to make because of the personal cost to us. And, and you know, like... There's elements that are complex, like cost of living and things like that, but that too often is used as an excuse when perhaps what we're seeing and what, what sociologists and others who are studying this are suggesting is it's more of a heart shift going on. It's not only complexities with needing to work more or other things, it's also a bit of a heart change towards a more me-centric universe rather than an others-centric. Um, you know, how we choose to use our time, our finances, our energies, our talents. As Francis Chan, he's an author and a pastor from the US, he said many years ago, he said, the world says love yourself, grab all you can and follow your heart. Jesus says, deny yourself, grab your cross and follow me. And you know, tragically, I think many churches, many well-known Christian teachers and authors have kind of bought into this message as well and uh, a, a guy by the name of E. Randolph Richards he says this and I think it perfectly sums up how this has gone down He's, he writes at some point in this generation take up your cross and follow me changed into come to Jesus and he'll make your life better take up your cross and follow me sacrifice uh, cross before the crown yeah no, no no thanks I want the Jesus who will make my life better now don't get me wrong, because this is, what did I call it? Life best lived. I'm talking about living life well. But, and there's no question that if we follow Jesus, life will be better. But here's the thing, the better will not necessarily be like the better that our society says is better. Does that make sense? That's a lot of betters. The better won't necessarily be like our society says is better. You know, follow Jesus, for instance, and you might have good health or you might not. Follow Jesus and you might become successful, grow a business, have a, a, a good level of material wealth, and you might not. Follow Jesus, you might have a rich, fulfilling marriage, and you might not. You get what I'm saying? Following Jesus doesn't guarantee us that will live a life free of suffering, that will live a life free of pain, that will live a life devoid of sacrifice. If anything, what Jesus said and he warned his disciples of before he ascended was that things are going to get worse. And the road that I've walked is ultimately the road that you'll walk as well. 
one of suffering, one of pain. Um, But Jesus says following him in this life will guarantee that we will, in one way or another, live rich, fulfilling lives now, no matter what we face, but also, as race encourages us to look to before, one day when we're in eternity and we'll walk that forevermore. So if you follow Jesus, if you're seeking spiritual truth, if, if you're here or, or watching today and you're considering following Jesus for the first time, or maybe you're looking to return to relationship with you, Jesus says to you, he says this to all of us, Matthew 16, 24, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Let's break this down. What's Jesus getting at when he calls everyone who want to follow him to deny themselves? We don't like denial, do we? And we're not in denial, so let's find out what, what he's getting at. So the word deny is taken from a Greek word, apaniomai. And that means to completely disown or to utterly separate yourself from something, right? So this word, apaniomai, it's actually the same word that, that Jesus uses in Matthew 26, verse 34, to describe how Peter when faced with people saying, hey, aren't you one of the disciples? Jesus says this is how he will deny him three times. And if if you're familiar with that passage, or if you're not familiar with it, you know, after Jesus is handed over to the authorities before his crucifixion, Peter is recognised by people as being a follower of Yeshua or Jesus. And sure enough, just as Jesus said he would, Peter does exactly that. He completely disowns, he utterly separates himself from Jesus three times. No, not me, must be my twin brother. Never heard of him, never seen him, it's not me. You got the wrong man. That's what he does. He utterly separates himself from Jesus. And this, this is the level that Jesus is challenging people who'd want to come and follow him This is the degree to which we must deny ourselves if we're to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, what's Jesus getting at with this denial? It's important to understand what he is saying. Start with what he's not to understand what he is. He's not saying that we're not valuable. It's not deny yourself because you're a worm and you're not worthy of anything. He's not saying that. He's not saying that we don't have valid needs that need to be met. He's not saying we're not important, that we shouldn't look after ourselves, anything like that. He's not suggesting any of those things. What he is suggesting is that if we want to follow him, if any of us would want to follow after Jesus, we need to be willing to give up anything, deny anything or stop desiring anything that would stop us from truly following him and doing his will. Does that make sense? You know, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I think that kind of gets to the heart of what Jesus is calling us to in denying ourselves. Jesus is calling us to put the one who so often wants to be on the throne of our lives, self, and put him to death. Like literally, deal drastically with him. 
not live for number one as we all once did. Or, you know, perhaps if we're honest today, maybe we feel like, you know what, that's probably where I'm at right now. But Jesus calls us to give our whole lives to him, living by faith in the Son of God who loves us and gave himself for us. I, I kind of, as I, as I was thinking on this, I just sort of thought that this is a good way of summing up what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't live a self-focused, selfish life Embrace the full and abundant life in me. Partner with me, do my will, and don't do your own. Yeah? You know, when we deny ourselves and and we take our wants and our desires down from the throne of our lives, that place of ultimate control, and allow Jesus to take his rightful place in that place, that's actually where life is found. Yeah? Has anyone experienced that to be true? That's where life is at. It's not, it's a complete paradox to what the world would say. The world would say, you got to, you are the author of your destiny. You are the one who's intelligent. You are the one who knows you best. So do whatever your little heart will tell you is good. Pursue that. Give your life to whatever. But Jesus says, no, no, no. And scripture says, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? You've got to be really careful of your heart because your heart can mislead you. Many, many times you can be misled by your heart. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Allow me to come in and take your heart and take your life and use you for my good and my glory. And I guarantee that if you follow me in that, your life will be rich, your life will be full. Yeah? That kind of denial honours God, pleases him, opens us up as followers to live that actual abundant life that we're called to live. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some of you might have heard that name before. He was a, a pastor during the reign of Hitler and he eventually called out the Nazis for their sin, basically, their, their incredible hatred, yeah, all the, all the stuff, and, and he was killed on account of that. Um, he said this, he said, To deny oneself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self, to see only him who goes before and no more the road which is too hard for us. Once more, all that self-denial can say is he leads the way. Keep close to him. Friends, let me ask you this today. Are you, are you right now in this current season that you're finding yourself in in life, are you finding life by denying yourself and surrendering all to Jesus? Is that your posture right now? before your maker. Or perhaps, as I've even said that, maybe for you, you're thinking, well, actually, maybe I'm living a bit more like independence. I think sometimes I'm, I'm more keen to jump on the throne than to let Jesus, hand Jesus the reins and let him take me. Maybe, or Jesus calls us, he, he wants us, he wants us to live a life of dependence on him, partnered with him, keeping close to him, letting him lead us and guide us and shape us and encourage us in life. Friends, life is found in Christ and Jesus says that life is found by denying ourselves. So that's the first. Here's the second. Jesus also says that life is found by taking up our cross and following him. Matthew 16, 24 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What's Jesus getting at with taking up our cross? Well, I want to quote John MacArthur again because his thoughts on this were really good. He says, This idea has profound meaning which must be understood. Taking up one's cross is not some mystical level of selfless, deeper spiritual life that only the religious elite can hope to achieve, nor is it the common trials and hardships that all persons experience sometime in life. A cross is not having an unsaved husband, nagging wife or domineering mother-in-law. I don't have one of those. Nor is it having a physical handicap or suffering from an incurable disease. To take up one's cross is simply to be willing to pay any price for Christ's sake. It is the willingness to endure shame, embarrassment, reproach, rejection, persecution and even martyrdom for his sake. There you go. That's the better life Jesus calls us to. Come and enjoy life with Jesus. You know, there's no doubt that Jesus' followers and the many tagalongs who were around him and following him as he travelled, they would have known exactly what Jesus was getting at when he commanded them to take up their cross. You're living, you're living in Roman times, you know full well what a cross is. You see it all the time. You know what it means. They knew that a cross was an instrument of execution. They knew that it was reserved for the Rome's worst enemies. They knew it was as an instrument of torture, death and complete sacrifice. Just think about it. In those days, you would have, if you were following Jesus, no doubt there would have been moments in town, like we go through town and they've got like a rod run or something, Back in Rome days, they would have had the, the, the shameful walk to the hill to be hung and crucified. And for those who might not be familiar, a common thing, as Jesus did, was that the prisoner would carry their own cross, their own torture device, that they would then be killed and hung on and die a slow, painful death of asphyxiation and blood loss and absolutely horrible. With every, with every breath as you can't breathe... <gasps> trying to breathe and, and all the pain and you can't even, yeah, just absolutely horrible. One of the most horrific ways to go, there's no doubt about that. And so Jesus' followers, they, they knew full well what a cross symbolised. They knew that when Jesus said to take up their cross, that he meant to give their lives completely, to risk it all, to truly follow him. David Pratt, a Christian author, he says this, He says, taking up your cross refers to giving your whole life to God as Jesus was about to give his whole life for us. This involves bearing burdens, but it is deeper than that. It is a total dedication of life. Our whole life is given to his service in anything he says. And this will willingly lead us, sorry, this will lead us to willingly deny self. Do you see that? It's a bit of a... Uh, that part helping that part in what Jesus is asking us to do. Um, John Piper wrote a book called What Jesus Demands from the World. And I really like what he says here. He says, Jesus did not die to make this life easy for us or prosperous. He died to remove every obstacle to our everlasting joy in making much of him. 
And he calls us to follow him in his sufferings because this life of joyful suffering for Jesus' sake shows that he is more valuable than all earthly rewards the world lives for. If you follow Jesus only because he makes life easy for now, it'll look to the world as though you really love what they love. And Jesus just happens to provide it for you. But if you suffer with Jesus in the pathway of love because he is your supreme treasure, then it'll be apparent to the world that your heart is set on a different fortune than theirs. This is why Jesus demands that we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Man, that's so good. I love that quote. That's really, really good. Friends, when we take up our cross and when we dedicate our lives to God, we're, we're actually, what we're doing is we're opening ourselves up to finding life. Yeah? We're actually opening ourselves up to finding and enjoying the life in more abundance that Jesus says he brings to those whose faith is in him. And we discover that a life in more abundance, a rich, a deeply fulfilling one, involves showing others that Jesus actually is the greatest treasure that they could ever have. The treasures of this world are something, sure. Look outside. We live in the valley. Beautiful surrounds. Amazing. I like technology. There's plenty of things that I look at and marvel at how God's given ingenuity to man to create certain things. It's incredible. Jesus says all of these things, all of these things that the world prizes, that, that moths will eat away at and rust will destroy, as good as they are, they're far from the ultimate thing. Jesus himself is the ultimate treasure. And we have a role to play in showing others, even through our priorities of taking up our cross and following him, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him, that Jesus actually is the treasure, that he is the best one that anyone could possibly receive. You know, I think Piper's right. If we choose to follow Jesus in this life and risk losing it all, all that the world has to offer, and maybe some of us have experienced this to be true as well, we actually find the fullness of joy and life beyond measure as we experience satisfaction in relationship with Jesus. For those of you who've been through some suffering times, sure, most of us have, what what have been those things that have got you through? Think about it. Has it been faithful friends who've watched out for you? Has it been the, the intimacy that all of a sudden when the world's all falling apart and storms of life have come, And then there's just this constant presence of Jesus in your life beckoning you to come and rest in him. Yeah. You know, that is one of the wonderful paradoxes, I guess, of the Christian faith. And this is what Jesus is getting at in Matthew 16, 25, when he says, for whoever would save his life will actually lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Life, putting it really simply, Life is found in surrender to God. Life is found in total surrender to God. Life is found in being satisfied, truly satisfied in relationship with Jesus, enjoying, as as the psalmist writes about in Psalm 1611, 
the fullness of joy, the pleasures forevermore that can only be found by walking with him and being in God's very presence. Life is found as we live in the freedom we've been designed to enjoy. And that is only found through relationship with God. And then the beautiful thing about this is as we come to a place of surrender, as we, as we take our supreme treasure as Jesus and put him in his rightful place in our lives, all of a sudden we actually are free. Because those things that were once burdens and we were pursuing things and we're like, oh, if only we have this thing or if only I have this much in my bank account or if only I have this, if only I get married to this person or whatever it is, all of a sudden those things just fade away into their rightful place. Jesus is our treasure and then we're free. And it means then that we're actually free to live. We're free to live generously. We're free to serve radically and sacrificially in the same way as Jesus has laid down his life in order to serve us. There's this beautiful thing that happens where we're not doing good things because we know we should be, but we're doing those good things out of an evidence of an internal heart reality that's been gripped by Jesus and is just alive in relationship with him. Yeah? Friends, this is how life is best lived. This is how any of us experience life in all its fullness, as we grow in his likeness, as we enjoy him as our supreme treasure. Love others with his love. Life is only going to be full, isn't it? Life is only going to be blessed. Might not be easy. Might involve an awful lot of suffering. Our open doors, brothers and sisters all over the globe will attest to that. But what they also attest to, and I know this from chatting with many people who have gone into some of these communities through Open Doors, they, their lives are full. They count themselves to be incredibly blessed. They have a freedom that none of us have here in a Western world, that's for sure. Jesus' words, friends, they're countercultural. And they are. They're, they're very confronting, aren't they? But they're an invitation to each and every one of us, to, to humbly surrender to God, to start for the first time or to continue to live the way life is actually best lived. And, you know, each of us have got a choice to make, don't we? Whether we're currently following Jesus or not, this is true for all of us. Are we going to live life in pursuit of all the temporary things our society says are valuable, our ultimates? And are we going to lose our lives? Or are we going to embrace and find life by fixing our eyes on and enjoying relationship with our maker now and forevermore? God, in all his, his wisdom and his kindness, has given us free will. He's given us the ability to choose. We've, we've, and, and, you know, some people say, oh, well, how could, how could God a loving God send people to hell, it's like, well, how could a loving God not give us a choice in life in how we get to interact and experience this life? And unfortunately, some people actually choose not to follow him and so they're, by default they're choosing that position, you know. But we've been given free will and it's a gift of love and we can choose to follow Jesus or we can choose not to follow him. We can choose to believe Jesus when he says that following him leads to life and not following him leads to death, or we can choose not to believe him. As 
John Piper rightly says, you get one pass at life. Hear this today. We get one pass at life. That's all. Only one. And the lasting measure of that life is Jesus Christ. The lasting measure of our life here on earth for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years is Jesus Christ. The choice is ours. The choice is mine every day as we wake. The choice is ours. The choice is mine. The choice is yours. So let me ask you today, what or who are you going to choose? Are you going to continue on living life on your own terms, pursuing all these things that the world says bring life? Or are you going to pursue life on God's terms, finding life by denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus? I'm just going to have some time just to pray for people now if you'd like to receive any prayer. Perhaps, you know, maybe you've been a a Christian for some time now and for whatever reason you just feel a little bit, I don't know, maybe lukewarm. You feel like once you were really on fire and excited and this was true for you, but for whatever reason it's just become a little cold and you want a touch from God to keep on going and rekindle that fire. I encourage you, come forward and receive some prayer. Maybe if you're listening today and and you've been on a search for life. You've been on a search for meaning. You're, you're, you're looking for what is truly true in a world of half-truths and mistruths and blatant lies. <laughs> Can I encourage you? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he today, he beckons anyone to simply come to him. That's all it needs to be. It doesn't, it's not complicated. You don't have to have your act together. I certainly didn't the day I bowed my knee before Jesus' throne. And thank God that you don't need to have your act together because otherwise I would have been in trouble. But Jesus simply says, come and place your faith in him. And if you do that, the Bible says you will be saved. So if you're seeking spiritual truth today and you want to respond, um, or if you're online and you do want to respond but you can't because you're online, please um, put, shoot us through a note or something and we'll get in touch with you during the week. But yeah, so we're just going to have a time of prayer, just for a few moments. So if anyone would like any personal prayer around this, I just encourage you, there could be nothing better than getting back on track and embracing the life that we're meant to be lived with Jesus. Amen? So if you want to receive any prayer, we'll just have some music playing.